0: Hello and welcome to Wibbly Wobbly Chatty Watty, the ultimate Doctor Who Rewatch podcast. I'm your host Dean and every week I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Andrea. Hello.
1: Hello everyone. How are we all? Good. How are you Dean?
0: I'm good. How are you? Okay, every week we talk about an episode of Doctor Who and this week is no different and this week we're talking about episode 9 of series 2 satan pit last week we talked about the first part which is the impossible planet and this week we're here to give you a lot more information about that episode every week we start with a quick sentence summary each on what the episode is about and andrea really wants to share her sentence summary with us
1: i really do i might burst if i i'm not allowed so can i do it
0: i'll go first my sentence summary is the doctor meets redacted Sorry, I don't want to say his name because I don't want this podcast to be demonetized.
1: That's going to prove an issue throughout this episode, but fair enough. I respect your choices. My sentence summary is this On the planet Crop Tour, there's a beast below, but this isn't the beast below because that comes three series, three companions, and one doctor later.
0: Nice. Okay. Are you ready for some general information about this episode?
1: Am I ever?
0: Oh well, let me let me tell you this episode was also written by Matt Jones, who has only written this two-parter. We don't like Matt Jones because he's got a boring name. We've talked about this. Um, he has only written this two-parter and one episode of Torchwood. James Strong was the director and he directs six more episodes and two episodes of torchwood it was broadcast on the 10th of june 2006 and the next day something very major happened there was the french open for men's tennis any guesses on who won
1: rafa nadal
0: correct who did he beat
1: oh that's harder because you can always bank on rafa to win um roger federer
0: correct i'm not giving oh, you yes. any trivia points and no dings were played okay That's all the general information I have. Now let's go on to your boring facts, which are no fun and make me want to cry.
1: I had no idea you felt that way. Well, just building on the general information that you've given us, since it was broadcast on the 10th of June 2006, I guess that means this episode was released in the week beginning the 6th of the 6th of the 6th. How neat is that?
0: I don't think that's neat, I think that's EVIL.
1: I mean, can't evil be neat? Anyway, my first proper fun fact is that The Beast was created after producer Phil Collinson noted that Series 1 had not featured any villains who were godlike in scale. Dean, I'm not sure I agree with this, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, number one, you have the Emperor of the Daleks, which is literally a god.
1: I mean he keeps going on about how he is
0: God. Yeah, and I think you could make an argument for the Jag probably, but we don't like him, so we won't talk about him.
1: He is the god of all crap. Doctor, and Father's thinks... Day,
0: I would also har- argue has a god-like threat, and that is time itself.
1: I mean, that's as godlike as you can get, really.
0: Eh, exactly, exactly.
1: Bar God himself, herself, themselves. I'm getting down a real rabbit hole or or a Satan pit, if you prefer. My second fun fact is that a preview tape was not given to the media for this episode as it was shot so close to its broadcast date that production was running behind and there were concerns it would not be completed in time. The absence of a preview tape led to the speculation that something momentous and plot related was coming. I find that very amusing.
0: Yeah, they were all creating theories about what it's going to be, but they were all wrong.
1: I guess in a way, it would have drawn extra attention to the little hints at Rose's departure.
0: That's true, that's true.
1: Yeah. David Tennant nailed his speech to the Beast in one take as the film crew only had 15 minutes to film it in. What a legend he is.
0: Well, he is a world-class actor, if you ask me.
1: Oh, and if you ask anyone, basically, I think I could run out into the street Ask anyone, they'd probably be a bit scared, but I think they still agree.
0: They go quick, stay two meters away from me. Stop coughing.
1: What you just assume I'd go out there and like? Why are you bleeding from your nose? Why would I have a what? Why? Why am I running out into the street, breaking all the COVID rules with a nosebleed, whilst I'm trying to ask someone their opinion on David tedden
0: Andrew, that was just what they were saying.
1: Right, right. According to IMDB, the Master and Davros were considered options as potential villains to be at the bottom of the pit until the beast was eventually created. What do you think those different details would have meant for this episode?
0: I think the Master could have been really cool if it was done, there. that would have been a sweet reveal.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, he's such a godlike or at least he wants to be a godlike villain anyway. That I can imagine it really work with him trying to present himself as this almighty beast who possesses people and such. I don't think Davros would have worked quite as well, but I like the beast. Well, I don't like it. I mean, I don't like. I'm not saying I like the devil or anything. I'm not into that sort of cultness, but I like the baddie. My next fun fact is that the scenes with the Doctor and the Beast were filmed in Clearwell Caves, the same location used for the filming of the Sikorak ship in the Christmas Invasion. Did you spot that?
0: I did. Well, I read that piece of information on the line.
1: Well, congratulations on spotting it. And then finally, the last fun fact for today's fun fact section is that Billy Piper's last ever seen filmed as the regular companion for Doctor Who, was the final clip scene of this episode where the Doctor and Rose are reunited in the TARDIS and he replies that they are the stuff of legend. And I think, having seen the Doctor Who confidential clips of them wrapping up that last scene as well, I think that last scene is such a poignant ending to her time as companion even though it's not obviously in the actual series
0: yeah that's very true every week we like to share trivia and this week i'm sharing it with andrew in the form of a quiz which is what i do every other week and if andrew gets every question wrong then she's never allowed back on the podcast and if she gets what? every question right then she introduces the episode next week
1: I was not aware of this. Was it in my famous contract?
0: Yes, I'm afraid you can't look because I'm sure you've torn it up about a dozen times by now.
1: Oh yeah, it's been used on... little morsels of it have been used on every single bonfire I've had in the past year.
0: Oh nice, how many bonfires have you had in the past year?
1: A maximum total of zero. In other words, I've I've lost my contract.
0: Well, good thing I've got for anyway, let's go on to the first question is first question is this. What century does this story take place in? Is it the thirty second, the forty second, the fifty second, or the sixty second?
1: Well, you have underestimated what I write down in my notes.
0: Cause Ooh.
1: Yeah. When it comes to plot and setting, I put A little brief summary about the setting and i'm pretty certain unless my notes are very flawed that it was the 42nd century
0: the good news is andrea that you're not kicked off the podcast
1: i i'm so happy like I will find my contract and read through it properly. I'll I'll get it out of the bonfire flames of the hundreds of bonfires I have had recently. My my garden is basically a burnt forest.
0: Well, anyway, here's question number two. Speaking of burnt forests, this question has nothing to do about burnt forests. I just thought it would be a fun segue. Which was not considered as a form for the beast? Was it an old man, a gigantic eye a little boy or a mutated future human.
1: I was just laughing at the way you said little boy. It was super creepy. I definitely read that it was an old man. And I think I also read that it was a giant eye. But I can't remember between the last two options. Little boy seems more believable in the way that you could create it as a fake option. So maybe I'm going to say the last one, a mutated human thingy.
0: Mm. No! Yeah, I tricked you with my clever mind. The four options actually were an old man, a gigantic eye, a mutated future human or a little girl. Oh,
1: you little, you little
0: boy. Okay, question number three. The good news is you're not introducing the podcast next week.
1: Phew wee, I mean, you do it so beautifully, Dean, I just couldn't take away from that.
0: I I mean, they don't hear the dozens of attempts before the first one. Anyway, in which of these episodes is the word devil not used? Oh. Is it Victory of the Daleks, Tooth and Claw evolution of the daleks or a good man goes to war that didn't mean to rhyme but it rhymes so i'm really happy with that
1: you're a poet and you didn't even realize you were rhyming this is a hard one they're all believable so i I really don't know i'm gonna say evolution of the daleks (laughs) no
0: so in of the daleks
1: It'll be something like, What the devil are you um, doing here? Woff, 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 I'm Winston Churchill.
0: Well, it's it's used three times, all times by Churchill. And he says twice, Doctor, what the devil? And um, once he says, If Hitler invaded hell, I would give a favourable reference to the devil.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Which is a good line, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, In Evolution of the Daleks. A century says, it's the devil, a devil in the sky, when referencing a Dalek.
1: I don't actually remember that. I'm going to have to re-watch that two-parter. It's not one of the ones I've watched that
0: much. And then Dorian does say, poor devils.
1: He does say it, but it's not in Tooth and Claw.
0: It's not in Tooth and Claw. Well, here is a personal favourite question of mine, okay? I'm going to give... This question is about both two parts of this two-parter, okay? I'm branching out here. Okay, I'm going to give you four words, and you have to say which word appeared most commonly in the two-parter, which word is said most commonly in the two-parter, and so on. Uh, Your four words are impossible, planet, Satan, and pit.
1: Now, if you said the, I would have done better than I'm going to.
0: There are over 400 um, times they say the in both episodes.
1: Have you gone through and counted?
0: I have my ways.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is so hard. I mean, there's all the typical Doctor Who stuff, that's impossible, but that's just impossible. No, that's impossible. But I feel like it wouldn't be used as much in the second episode and all the impossibles would really orientate towards the beginning of the impossible planet. Planets, I mean, obviously they refer to it a lot because they are an impossible planet. And then...
0: I'd better say I'm including plurals and the like.
1: Oh, so impossibles and things like that.
0: Well, there's (laughs) examples of people saying planets Planets, with an apostrophe.
1: Something tells me that beast is said more than Satan just because we call him the beast. But I'm going to go planets slash planets just because it's a more generic word.
0: Okay, and then what are you putting A second?
1: I'm going to go Planet, Satan, Impossible, Pit.
0: I'm afraid you are incorrect. You only got one right.
1: Oh, so no. you not get
0: the point. It, the word Satan is said twice. It's said once in each episode. Pit is said 11 times. Three times in the first episode and eight times in the second episode. Impossible is said seven times. Five times in the first episode, two in the second, and Planet is said a grand total of twenty-six times. So at least that's I got one that got one right. right. So you've got Planet, Pit, Impossible, Satan.
1: I mean, now I think about it, I was really stupid to put Pit lowest because the second episode literally revolves around it. Although it also revolves around Satan, that was a horrible, horrible question, and I wish I well, could go I'm back and say there it is
0: differently. One more question, which is eerily similar. Oh, no. If the word impossible is said seven times in both episodes, how many times does the Doctor say it? You have no options here.
1: I'm torn between six and seven, because I think he does say it a lot, and he just says it a lot in most episodes, I swear. But maybe Ida says it once or something, and maybe it's said with not referring to the planet by someone else at some point. So I'm going to say... Or maybe it's five, except for, you know, eight. So I'm going to say eight. No, I'm going to say six. Oh, my goodness. This is almost as bad as New Earth.
0: It was, in fact, four times. And you only got one question right this week, which at least is all you needed to stay on the show. So I guess you've got that advantage.
1: I scraped the bare minimum just to keep my seat in the studio.
0: Just to keep getting humiliated every other week.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were good. But I will listen back to this and be incredibly frustrated.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's just have a quick look at your score, although I have already said.
1: No, no, no. I'm just going (coughs) to sing off at the top of the buzzing. La hee la la! Buzzing! Ding sing! Ding dong! It's this time of the podcast again when. The co-host that isn't me, but is actually Dean, stands up, rolls his sleeves up, does a few press ups, because that's all he can handle, does a squat, and then delivers his plot summary of the episode. And this week, it will what a shocker, be the Satan pit. Whenever you've whenever you've finished your squatting, Dean.
0: Well, every week I like to explain what happens in the episode. And this time, no jokes, no silly nonsense, just stone hard facts about a fictional universe. OK, so the doctor is stuck at this pit which just opened and he's with his friend. I've forgotten her name. We don't really care about her, though. She doesn't do a lot and she probably should have just died. We don't like you. Just anyway, moving on. Uh. Yudes are all like killy killy killy. I'm going to kill you. And they're like, no, we will shoot you in the head. But they manage to escape, and two security guards die. Don't worry about them. Not mentioned again. And then there's soldier boy, there's clever man, there's devil, and there's rose, and they're crawling through the vents with um captain controlling where they go. I really don't know any of their names. And they're like, going through the vents, venti, 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 crawl, crawl, crawl. We need to get out of here. And then the oods are in the vents. They're like, well, we don't want you to get out of here because we want to eat you. Nom, nom, nom. But they don't actually want to eat you. They just want to kill you, which in some ways is the same. Because in both scenarios, you probably will die. Because if you get killed, you're dead. And if you get eaten, then you're probably also Okay, moving on, the the doctor's like, hey, let's not go into this pit. And then they get in the elevator and the elevator breaks and the doctor's like, you know what, I'm going to go in the pit. And he jumps and he goes, wee, but he's got a cable attached, but the cable stops going. He's like, I don't know how far away I am. So I'm just going to unclip myself. He unclips himself and he falls and he dies. Meanwhile, Rose and the rest of the crew are on their shutter out of there and they're like well let's leave and rose is like well i ain't leaving without mr doc and then everyone's like hey don't be an idiot rose what the hell do you do no. and then rose is like well i'm not leaving without Dockey boy and they're like rose we've had enough of this insolence. sort your attitude out and then rose goes i'm not leaving without Dockey boy and then and then they they beat they, they sedate her and she leaves. Um yeah, and then they're on the ship going out of there. And then the guy I refer to as Satan earlier on is all possessed by Satan. The doctor survived. He had a conversation with the devil, or maybe not the devil, who knows. But it wasn't really a conversation because he was all raw, raw. And the doctor was like, smashy, smashy. And then the devil dies. But his body dies and his mind was in this guy. And Rose is like, hey, I've got a gun. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot this window. And she shoots the window and he gets pulled out. And he's like, wee, goodbye. And he flies off into space and then they close the windshield and that's fine and they're like well the bad news is we're now going to get pulled into this black hole and you know what would be really convenient if we had a ship created by the same people who created black holes and could also alter gravity and save us and pull us away and tow us away and it looks like a police box from 21 or 22, it would be 22 centuries ago, and then we'd be fine, and not 22 centuries ago from now. I'm not talking about negative 1 BC. I'm talking about 21, or the 20th century, to be precise. But that is not what they care about. No, they don't care about facts. They care about how they're feeling, and how they're feeling they're feeling happy, because they just got saved by the doctor who found his TARDIS, and also he bought annoying woman from the pit along with them and they're all happy, they leave and the devil has been defeated but you can never defeat the devil because the devil is within all of us, the end
1: Terrifying words from Dean there I'd ask you what you thought about setting but of course it is relatively the same but let's hope that in the following sections we have more to say this week
0: I have something to say what's that do so the episode starts with with the doctor next to the pit that just opened and he's like i don't No, you don't in this section of the podcast we like to go through our most standout moments of the episode personally i have some i'm sure andrea has some standout moments too but i decide to go first my first standout moment is when the doctor is like, shall I go down the pit? Um, No, I won't. I'll stay here and for once in my life I'll be sensible. I think it's quite a nice moment. I think it's a good moment for the doctor, although obviously it doesn't really surmount to anything.
1: Yeah, firstly, before I analyse along with you, I want to say that last week I feel we didn't quite do the Impossible Planet justice because we were basically saving all our ideas for this episode which obviously is a continuation so I want to say sorry to the impossible planet because I think it's a good episode I know you weren't quite so keen but I think it works so beautifully as a two-parter if you watch it all in one stretch I just wanted a little disclaimer there. just wanted to put that out there but yeah I really like this moment as you said it's not remarkable in the way that it's not really crucial to the story but we see this man who, only in this series, you kept saying, is set up as this adventure hero, this action hero who basically, you know, does sword fights, slides down weirdy silver, I don't know, metal things with plastic ladies inside women's heads. That's a really weird take on New Earth. I've just realised. But You know I had what I mean? No
0: idea you were talking about New Earth.
1: If I'd done the sound effect, would it have been better? Wee! <laughs> Bit of Westminster Bridge there for you. Thank you very much, my God. But anyway, in New Earth Christmas Invasion, he set up as this action hero, and here we have the exact opposite. He could jump into that pit, but he decides against the temptation. And it's also quite interesting how this episode reflects on the Doctor in terms of his beliefs, and we never get any real answer. We're teased about this a bit in the God Complex in Series 6 as well, because Amy asks the Doctor, do Time Lords have a God that they pray to? And he dodges the question. So we never really know the Doctor's own set of beliefs. But this episode is really interesting. This two-parter is really interesting in slightly testing that character and putting him up against something that even he can't explain and therefore in this moment we see his cautiousness because it's unlike anything else he's ever come across before
0: yeah it's it's a nice moment i think the next um standout moment i'd like to talk about i do really like this as a moment there's just a couple parts of it which i think are a bit off and that's when the devil is talking through the youths on all of the screens to everyone. I think that's a really strong moment with him or it, I suppose, is intimidating them and just saying um, their deepest desires and fears and really getting into all of their heads. And I think perhaps my favorite moment of the episode is after that, when everyone is talking at once and then the doctor's like, well, listen to me. I think that works really well, too.
1: Yeah, that moment when they're talking over one another is almost a snippet of what we get in Midnight. The sort of level of human panic that is completely unhelpful. And of course, if we all came across the devil who's possessing some bald, spaghetti-bearded guys, girls, we would panic too. But the Doctor, as the protagonist, was more experienced and... Arguably more bravery. He is able to see beyond that and show that you and knows that they have to think rather than panic. And that's something that we see Rose cling on to as she leads her little party through the maintenance tunnels and that side of this episode. I think it's probably my favourite moment of the episode, although there's some bits in the tunnels that I really love. And and the fact that the beast know so much about all all of them and all their guilt and their troubled pasts. And what did Danny do? What did he lie about? You get hinted at all these really interesting things that never really surface. And if this was a film, we could explore all of that and it'd be absolutely great. But I think it's even almost better for teasing us about what these people did, about how everyone has something to regret something that the devil, the beast, whatever this thing is, could play upon and exploit.
0: It's a really good moment. I agree. Probably my favourite episode. Although I have two complaints, which I will save for the improvement section. For now, you know, just leave a bit of
1: teasing us a bit like the beast.
0: Yeah, leaving you a bit of sizzle there.
1: Sizzle. Uh, Sorry.
0: What's your next standout moment after that one?
1: Well, I guess it's not really a big moment, but I've wrote in my notes, knock knock, it's the Ood. I really like when they start cutting away or using whatever it is to get through the bolts of the doors. It's not really a big section of the episode or anything, but I think the fact that they are so protected in those rooms within the sanctuary base, but just the design of it with being able to see them through the little the little window in the door really makes it quite an effective moment when they start trying to get in and this sort of slow tension builds up because you know at some point they're going to get in. And that's what I really love about these base under siege type episodes. And I just think it's a nice little moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I... I- I mean, I don't know if nice is the word I'd use. It's a bit... <laughs> but it's a good moment. It works out. I like the idea of... It's the classic thing of him having a, a bolt gun with one bolt in. But, yeah, it's a good moment. The next moment I would like to talk about is the Doctor's fall through the pit when he's just hanging out and he's having a conversation. And I like this, like, quite philosophical and i use that question too much on this podcast but like the um the 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 conversation they're having about the existence of satan and whether he's there or not while he descends and then there's the moment of him falling which i think also works well the bit i'm not as keen on is just i get why it happens but they really drill on the fact that the doctor's dead like i think at certain parts it feels like they're trying to convince the viewer that the Doctor's dead, but even if you're watching that live, I don't think any of us would have believed that for a second.
1: Yeah, it would have been a pretty abrupt end to Doctor Who. Rose just has to take it on on her own. But I really like this moment. You took the mick out of Ida quite a lot in your plot summary. So I don't know if you just really hate this character. She's the new Mickey or whatever, but I think she's a really strong character. And I think She's quite underrated. She's not one of these characters, maybe like Linda Moss or whoever, that get quite a lot of praise for being those good standalone episodes, although this is a two-parter, but those supporting characters, she doesn't get much recognition. but here she has some really vulnerable lines and they're so brilliantly acted, that moment where she so honestly says, "I don't want to die alone. Imagine, I was saying this throughout the episode to to myself, it was quite sad, imagine if she did die, imagine if she was one of the ones who didn't get out there alive, then all this stuff, her remembering, dwelling over the fact that she's never going to see her old mum again, her just sat there with a slouched posture just on the edge of that pit talking to the doctor and knowing that he, in pursuit of trying to save the day and also out of curiosity, he has effectively accepted that she might die alone and she doesn't want that to happen, but she doesn't even hold it against him when he goes ahead anyway. And so I, I found that really touching. I also think that you get one of the most honest reflections of how the Doctor feels about Rose in this episode, a bit like, I'd say, a bit reminiscent of how Christopher Eccleston sends Rose away in the parting of the ways and he looks back at the TARDIS before sending it off back to Earth. That sort of emotion is captured in David Tennant when he's like, tell Rose, oh, she knows. And he just drops into the abyss. And I know it might look a bit rubbish when he's just gradually being lowered into that just blackness. But that moment when he falls, it's quite dramatic. And the music, Love You, Gold," it's just so emotional. It's kind of like the doctor's theme mixed with extra layers of violins. And it kind of makes my hair stand on end a bit and he just lets go. And and then you have the moment when they sedate her, which is I find really captivating to watch because it's such a struggle and you should sympathize with Rose. But these characters aren't evil. They're doing it to save her. And I think that that's when you really see Zach who has his own little story about not quite being a good enough captain, not really knowing how to fill the role. This is when he comes into his own and takes the authority that he hasn't really had the courage to take. So I think it's a really good scene. Nice shaky handheld camera. Maybe it's not handheld, but it looked like it anyway. And yeah, just really interesting. I think that's this middle section of the episode. It's probably where it's at its best.
0: Yeah, I don't have a problem with like them trying to tell the characters. I just think they hark on this fact. I think they could have done a, revealed that the Doctor's still alive earlier on in the episode, so we know he's still alive. But then you cut back to the scenes of Rose still mourning and fighting against this. But I just I'm think quite like that the idea of him him being dead for longer just didn't work. Yeah uh yeah i do like the bit of rose fighting i think it's done well um not quite as good as how i portrayed it in the plot summary but still good (laughs) it's still a very good moment um and i yeah i yeah i I do like the moment where he says uh tell rose oh she knows and then he drops i think it's another good moment and I like the aesthetic of the pit that is just all black. I think it works really well so you don't know how deep he is or how how far down he's gone already. It just it doesn't make any feasible sense how you can see him. I think from a from from a cinematic standpoint I think that works really well.
1: Yeah, I do sometimes laugh at how little the doctor looks, but you're right. It's the best creative choice they could have made. Before we go on, I think there's just one Sort of, I see it as a section of this episode that I want to talk about because it's where I get excited. And it's just the time in the maintenance tunnels when they have to go under and then the ouds follow them in because that bloody Mr. Jefferson is so stupid. He just waits until the oud break through the door to then shut the little bit of Grilling or whatever it is, so that they can see where they've gone. If he would just been a second quicker, he would have lived because they wouldn't have known they've gone down there. They're oods. They don't have like, I mean, I know they're possessed, but they're oods possessed by the devil. They won't be able to have this all seeing ability to know where they are. Probably will now. I think about it because they're oods possessed by the devil. But I just love this moment. It's probably for me. It's not artistic or anything. It doesn't show characters in a new light, but it's where I enjoy the episode the most because it's where the characteristics of the base under siege episode structure are really utilised to their best, the fact that they're in such a confined, claustrophobic space, reduced to going on their hands and legs like animals, like they're in their primitive form going against these beings that are very primitive as they are and are possessed and are so fast behind them. And I love the moment when the door goes up and there's an Anud on the other side and they're waiting. And I just think it has a really good rhythm to it. I think also we have to talk about the the death of Mr. Jefferson. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. And if you think it's a well executed, (laughs) that's a good choice of words, a well executed death or not. But I think that this section
0: is is just fab yeah I'm not sure where I stand on the I think the the fact of this maintenance tunnel I, I think it works well because of the oxygen tracing thing I think that's a nice element to put on top of this thing that is a completely tired trait that just makes me sigh every time I see it and I don't think the death is executed amazingly. There's good moments. I like his talking. It's just that when he goes and he's just kind of slouching with the gun and the nude arrive, I don't think that bit works as well as him deciding to um, sacrifice himself.
1: I don't really have a strong opinion on Mr. Jefferson's death. I think it's acted pretty well, but maybe it goes on a little bit too long. I find it funny that they dwell so long over his death when there have been two deaths previously of these unnamed characters who were never introduced to any any capacity and they die and no one cares. It's never referenced ever again. I think it's typical Doctor Who. They only focus on the characters you're meant to care about.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, My final standout moment of the episode is the Doctor's speech at big old scary Satan boy. I think it's another strong moment. I think it is very interesting just him standing there talking to it i kind of have issues in doctor who when every episode is kind of them he's standing there talking and and then while talking he just figures out this impossible logic that the the viewer wouldn't be able to figure out at all and i think this episode does have elements of that but i think this big kind of psychological showdown between the doctor and the literal devil I think that makes up for the problems
1: I agree to be honest the section in the actual pit I don't enjoy as much as the section on the sanctuary base because I think it is the slower half they almost balance out in that way these two halves of the episode that's how I see it anyway but David Tennant's performance completely carries it and stops it from feeling too long I think in more recent years or maybe just over the over time obviously this is only the second series so it didn't feel like the doctor was just talking his way out of the issue but over time because there've been so many episodes that have had the same sort of concept of the doctor having this great big speech and then going aha and then that being the resolution of the episode I think that it becomes annoying in later years of Doctor Who, but here, in its early days of the revival era, it still works well. I'm not a big fan of the look of the beast. I know that it's probably not terrible for the time, and I know that it's aged now, like everything in these first two series of Doctor Who uh, have. And I also don't really like, there's this sort of annoying chain sound, the sound of him pulling against the chains, whilst when he's initially introduced I think is okay it just goes on every time he moves and it just really annoys me I really zone in on it which is just self-sabotage of my enjoyment of the scene but aside from that I think that it's quite interesting because it really is this mind game and that's really how the devil in film and television is portrayed as working and so I think Doctor Who utilises that characteristic of the devil well, the fact that it is one big mind game and the Doctor's about to smash the the vasey thing.
0: Yeah, I think I quite like the devil design because I think it's kind of what you need. I think obviously the CGI doesn't stand up, but the design itself is what you need in this episode. I think in the trivia when I mentioned about the old man and the little girl and the future human and whatever the fourth option was I don't think any of them would have worked as well as just having the devil there because that's what you imagined if I was to go ah draw me a picture of the devil I would have drawn that just a lot worse (laughs) and I just think that's what the episode needs at the end I think it needs the actual devil just to raise all these more questions and and to make the showdown between the two even better and I think I, I, to be honest, didn't notice the sound of the chains, but just the mm-hmm. look of the chains I think does add to the look. And I think it's kind of also needed for this story of him being trapped there, which I also really like. I like the lore of this that you don't, he's been here for you don't know how long, millions of years, and he's been trapped here on, on the planet with the black hole there. I think that works really well. I think it's a clever setup they have
1: it is a good setup and you're right i wouldn't have preferred an old man or any of those other suggestions i just think that over time it looks kind of kind of naff although it does carry the grotesqueness that makes you really hate it and gets under your skin a bit and makes you want to align with the doctor more than as doctor who fans were already inclined to but what do you make of the actual resolution once the doctor defeats the beast and saves Rose, because there's something that I find really reflects badly on the Doctor ethically. I wondered if you'd spotted it.
0: it is it the Ood? Yes. That isn't my, my issue, is the convenient TARDIS. I think there are a lot of convenient moments, but the fact that the TARDIS is just sitting there is perhaps the most convenient moment we have seen so far in being able to save everyone. And that's the bit that really irks me is the fact that he's just like, oh, well, I'm going to smash it because that's not, I think smashing that vase isn't something the doctor would usually do. He wouldn't usually do that. And the only reason he was fine to do that was because his TARDIS was around the corner because if not, everyone would have died. And he had no way to know that would be there. And I just don't think he would have done it otherwise because imagine if he just smashed it and then it's like oh okay well now everyone dies that's fair enough I just don't think it works particularly well
1: (laughs) that's a very good point he didn't know I mean he assumed that Rose would somehow get herself out of the situation but that that didn't happen actually that's that's pretty sad but it is convenient I still think that David Tennant's performance in going my people basically invented black holes oh well they did Ha ha, it's ha. A good moment. It, is a, it is a good moment and because of that performance I'm almost convinced into not taking a dislike to the convenience of the ending so it doesn't bug me too much and I do like how it that rocket goes from shaking so violently they're about to die and they all brace themselves and then it goes so still I think that actual physical quality gives the resolution a quite sudden but calming feel. You're like, ah, oh, phew, they finally escaped this thing that looked inescapable. But at the same time, yeah, it is convenient. I'd argue that most endings in most programs ever are quite convenient to an extent.
0: I just think this is the icing on the cake. I think this is the most convenient thing that has happened in any Doctor Who episode we've watched so far. I just think it's just a completely just crazy thing just to walk around and it's just sitting in the cabin.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, when did it get there? Because the, the pit was closed for so long. How did it get there in the first place? It's not like the, the TARDIS crashed on the planet. I get that. The TARDIS crashed on the planet. But then surely is it not just sitting somewhere on the surface of the planet? Not just deep in the ground right next to where Satan is?
1: mean these are the sort of questions you're not meant to ask. <laughs>
0: I don't know, it really took me out of it, the fact that the TARDIS was there.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the bit that stands out is the fact that it's quite an uplifting ending because it's enough for them to have survived. They never found out what the thing was. And Ida's so upset by that. I find her character really interesting, the fact that she's gone in pursuit of the thing at the bottom of the pit. And this guy, this time traveller, just rocks up and is like, I'm going down instead of you, despite the fact that you've dedicated your entire career to this. And she willingly gives in to that. She almost dies. And then she's so sad, or rather troubled, when she says to the doctor, but we'll never know what it was. And I think that's quite interesting how enigmatic this villain is left to us. I think it would lose some impact if we were given answers. And I think Doctor Who sometimes has a habit of giving its spectator too many answers in some ways. But it's meant to be uplifting with Murray Gold's soundtrack, especially, I think it's actually a piece called The Lone Dalek because in the Series 1, Series 2 soundtrack, that music's just reused for loads of stuff. But I really love that piece of music and it's meant to be uplifting, but it also has an element of, reflection on how many people have died and you have Zach as they ride off fly off zoom off whatever in their rocket into the distance you know accounting you know recording the fact that all the you'd have died and the doctor here of course he does because we've become attached to humans and we've seen the ood as the villain in a way because they have been possessed and therefore if the Doctor saved the ood over the humans this episode would be completely unlike anything else we've ever seen in Doctor 2 and it also means that the Doctor decides not to save his companion but he does effectively and using that one trip up on the humans, he chooses, what is it four? Four humans? Three humans even because Toby's gone by then, three humans over 20 30 odd dude and i just think that's something that we're we're not meant to talk about in the Huniverse.
0: well it didn't really stand out to me at all because i think of course it saved the humans because it, it because the Ood are related so much to like having the intelligence of sheep or cattle i think it would be like if a farm was blowing up and in one there was a barn of 20 cows and another one there was a house with five people in it and you can only save one you're going to go save the people in the house it didn't really stand out to me at all
1: it's not an issue I have with the episode it's just always something that I'm left feeling a little sad about because you see those almost haunting shots I find them kind of haunting in terms in comparison with other things in Doc 2 at least those haunting shots of them cowering in the sanctuary base as it falls towards the black hole, huddling together, supporting one another in their sort of animalistic way. And, you know, that the Doctor has to let them die. And I'm ne- I would never expect him not to. It's not that I think this is uncharacteristic and we must therefore consider the Doctor a murderer or anything like that. But it's just a really sad part of this episode But I think because we're not introduced to the Eude on an individual level there isn't like one ood until ood sigma comes along that we're attached to or introduced to in a more detailed way we're not really meant to focus on it that much but i always have
0: yeah i never have to be honest
1: wow poor oud! i love the oud. just want to say that we didn't talk about them in characters last time the oud, what what a what great guys girls
0: This is part of the podcast where we talk about our, our favourite characters and what we think of them, whether we like them or whether we don't like them. But I've kind of given the game away by calling them the favourite characters. But we talk about the same character first every week, and that character is the Doctor. I think his confrontation with the devil works in this episode. I think he kind of just works playing off these ideas of like his view of the universe kind of being shattered and that's why he works and i think that's what's good about him in this episode um i don't think there's enough dr rose stuff to comment apart from the one moment we've already talked about extensively so that's my doctor thoughts
1: yeah i think we've kind of indirectly covered him as a character which means that this character section is due to be as short as last week's for us when we just couldn't be bothered to do more than the two protagonists but i think. Again, he's so settled into the role, and I know that he should be by now because this is what episode nine. But if you compared this version of the Doctor with, say, I don't know, David Tennant in series four, even the specials, I know there'll be slight characteristic differences, but he's still as settled into the role as he is all those episodes later. And I think that he's such a constant now, he, his character, there's no moments in this episode where I think that's uncharacteristic. Oh, that's inconsistent. Whereas there are maybe at the beginning of this series. And so he almost goes in ways unnoticed from this moment on because he's the David Tennant doctor that we all love already by this stage. Whereas Rose is only just getting there to the Rose. I've that already we love. said I
0: think the vase smashing is uncharacteristic for him because there's just the the cheap TARDIS being around the corner. I think that I thought of such an Weird move for the doctor to do, and obviously, it only just paid off. So, I would say that was uncharacteristic.
1: I argue that that's maybe more an overlooking in terms of the plot rather than a character issue. Maybe it feeds into that convenience of the ending, but yeah, I really like how we slightly explore his beliefs and him fighting the temptation, and also his relationship with Rose and here you don't quite get the same doctor that you do in the impossible planet in the way that it's all about him maybe having to settle down and being separated from the TARDIS. Whereas this episode, even without the TARDIS, he's so determined on moving forward, trying to solve everything. Whereas last episode, there's almost an element of him resolving to the fact that he's stuck without the TARDIS whereas here he's he's more the hero again and I just love his sort of god complex not that he acts like a god but that he's aligned in direct opposition with the beast
0: uh yeah I like Rose in this episode I think it is just the same as the last episode with her taking a more leadership role apart from that one element of her character I don't think There's anything to add. We talked about the moment of her being sedated. So I just like her stepping up and bossing people about once the doctor is in the pit nearer the start of the episode.
1: Yeah, because the doctor's absent from that side of the story, she does take on almost a doctor-like role. And I think that's why she is a good companion in my eyes, because she goes from being so unsettled in his world in series one to basically swanning around his world in exactly the same confidence and style that he does and she takes complete lead of all these men and sends the devil to hell I mean god I just love Rose in this episode it's just so powerful and her performance Billy Piper's performance when when she thinks the Doctor is gone is so emotionally brilliant and really makes me emotional despite the fact we know the doctor's gonna be fine and I think it's some of Rose's best moments in that emotional way and and I mean the line when Zach says that he's dead and Rose says even if he was how could I leave him It, it shows her dedication to the doctor and and hints at just how hard she's gonna find it when she's separated from him And obviously that's hinted at in this episode, which is something we've not talked about, which I like. The fact that only the beast, the devil, this creature that can see beyond time and space and all of that, he has the knowledge that Rose's time with the Doctor is coming to an end. That's quite sinister.
0: Every week I force Andrea to tell us how she would improve the episode but because i am such a grumpy pants i also like to share how i would improve the episode because i have thoughts i have things i don't like number one stephen moffat number two i'll tell you after andrea's finished telling us her problems go on andrea
1: you just had to find a way to bring your hatred of stephen moffat into it i'm gonna go quite quickly because i realize we've babbled on quite a lot already First improvement, the beast animation could be improved with better tech and the chain noise, as I said, annoys me a little bit. Don't use the sound effect continuously through the scene, just use it at the beginning. The beast prison does not quite work for me. It's a big part of the animation versus the small real set, a similar issue to that of the Sycorax ship in the Christmas Invasion which I wrote this improvement before I knew that it's exactly the same location so maybe those caves just don't work really well no offense to caves I like caves get out
0: caves we don't want you
1: Dean doesn't like caves as I said last week there are arguably ever so slight issues with the pace with the transitions from slow to fast scenes being quite noticeable. But I would say that's because this episode is in two halves, with the Doctor side being quite slow and the Rose side being quite fast. So it's kind of a consequence of that and maybe is inevitable because of the same base base-under-siege setting. That's me done.
0: Well, then let me take over. Number one, I think it's a bit weird when, after the call, Satan just appears on the screen after the youth have finished talking i think it's a bit of a random thing that people do brush over a lot and i think it does spoil the design of the devil so i don't like that moment and i wouldn't have put it in number two on dean's improvements there's a weird ass moment in the uh shaft and i thought that was just a bit of a weird one that was i don't know it just made me feel weird that that is my thoughts on that and if anybody disagrees they can send us an email and we'll tell you about that later i'm not going into it now
1: and of course we have the moment where danny farts and goes well i'm not exactly happy like what is that about danny danny's such a perplexing character
0: um i would also like to add the security guard deaths seem especially out of place when such care is taken by the captain over reporting all the deaths and the worst part of it all the episode ends with him going Ood number one died Ood number two died Ood number three died and that's how their story ends but he doesn't mention those security guards but he will mention every single one of the Oods that died and they are all my improvements
1: also
0: just improve your Attitude, Andrea. That's all my improvements. Every week, we like to give this episode a nice, simple rating with an extremely simple rating system. I probably don't even need to explain it because you'll pick it up as we go along. But guess what? I'm going to explain it because that's in my contract and I need to fulfill my contract or I have to give Andrea two donuts. That's what and I'll burn
1: contract. your contract on my bonfire.
0: Uh, well, you're interrupting my explanation here, and I think that's highly rude, so I will make it go on for even longer. We rate our episodes on a numerical basis uh, with different numbers referencing different points we start with a one and we end with a 13 and in this system if we give it a one it's the worst a two the second worst so on and so forth until we get to 13 that means it's the best meaning that 12th is the second best and 11 is the third best but that is not all my friend we also give it an 8.5 now if we give it an 8.5 that doesn't mean it's the ninth worst or the fifth best sixth best it means it's in between the fifth best and the sixth best it's a little morsel of point there now if you're wondering why we've used the number one to 13 it's because there are 13 doctors but we are no way implying that the first doctor is the worst or the 13th doctor is the best if you're wondering why we can give an 8.5 that's because there's a war doctor in doctor who and he exists in that 8.5 zone in the middle of 8.5. 8.5. That's where he lives, and we like him, Mr. John Hurt. I love you, Andrea. Whatever you rated this episode.
1: One day you'll be able to get through that without reading it from a script. I gave you it. You really
0: think that rambling sounds like it's read off the script?
1: I just can't tell with you. I gave this episode a 10 out of 13, like I did for The Impossible Planet. I probably do prefer this half, but. I think it works much better as a continuation, as in a whole, rather than two parts watching it in two instalments. And whilst this episode works better on its own, I still think that overall I have to give them the same rating because they work together. We should all work together.
0: Well, ha ha ha, how very funny, because I myself have rated this episode a 10, a.k.a. a David Tennant, a.k.a. the star of this episode. So that's why I like us both giving it a 10, and it deserves a 10. It's a fun episode. It's not fun. It's a good episode. I like the the doctor versus the devil. I like that element. And there's other elements I like and some elements I don't like. So that's why I gave it a 10. Nice,
1: nice.
0: Yeah, so next week, we're going to be talking about a highly controversial episode. So I insist you join us for the ride and listen in on our pretty positive thoughts about Love and Monsters. Just a bit of a spoiler there for you. I think we both like it more than most people do. But we'll talk about that next week. Not getting into it now. Not getting into the lack of farts scene in Love and Monsters right now. Because now we must leave you and we must go.
1: You can follow us on Instagram at chattywattypod. You can email us at chattywattypod at gmail.com. So give us your thoughts. Tell us what you think of this two parter. And you can follow us on Anchor FM at chattywatty. And yes, do join us for the roller coaster that will be Love and Monsters. I like to think that that title reflects you and me. Of course, you being the monster.
0: And you being the Satan Pit. We'll see you next week. Bye.
1: Bye.